Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Bruce, and uh, I'm on staff here, one of the pastors. And this morning, uh, we're going to be starting just a, a new two-part message series. And we're going to be looking at, uh, today we're going to look at how to finish this year well. This is the last Sunday in 2014. We're going to say goodbye to this whole year pretty soon. And then next year, or next week, and next year, I guess, is uh, Josh will be back, and he'll um, talk about how to start with the right focus for the new year. So um, once Christmas is over and uh, just the year starts wrapping up, everything starts moving towards the new year, um, which is, you know, kind of a good feeling. And even though I really, really love Christmas, um, once it's over, I just kind of want all the decorations down and put away and um, want the tree out of the house. It's actually all still up right now, but um, I just kind of, once it's all gone, it kind of has like a cleansing feeling for me. I just, I'm ready to start things afresh. So um, that may be, you may feel similar. But uh, in addition to that, this is actually a pretty natural time of year to reflect and just think over the past year and, and think about what's happened and um, maybe evaluate how, how you've handled different things. Uh, my instincts are uh, normally throughout the day I tend to rehash conversations, um, review scenes from my day, and just kind of evaluate the way things have happened. And um, sometimes when I'm driving, actually, I like to just turn off the music um, and, and the audio and just kind of think through uh, just my interactions while I'm driving to or from work. And you may have less of a tendency to be reflective if you're, if you're wired a different way. But regardless of your wiring, I just want to invite you this morning to, we're going to just take some time to kind of evaluate and reflect over the past year. And I want you to think about where you are. And so as we reflect and think about our lives, um, and just kind of think over this past year, we can, you know, you can experience some pretty mixed emotions. So I don't know what you were expecting was going to happen this year, but maybe um, you may feel satisfied and accomplished. Maybe some really good things happened. Um, maybe you, you got some promotions or some relationships started that you weren't expecting. Or you may be feeling kind of discouraged or you feel like there's a gap between what you were hoping would happen and what is actually the reality now that we're at the end of the year. And that's kind of discouraging. Um, but I would guess most of us are probably somewhere in the middle. You may have uh, experienced a mix of those different emotions. But no matter where you fall on this spectrum of reflecting, um, it's really important to get an accurate picture of how you're doing in each area of your life and what's really going on. Because as you reflect and as you take time to think over what's happened, you're able to see the ups and the, ups and the downs, and you kind of um, get, a, get a bigger perspective moving forward. But looking at the ups and downs also helps us, um, it can lead to comparison, too. Um, as you think about, um, you know, how other people have done this year, uh, or maybe it, it may not necessarily be how they actually done, but your, per- your perception of how their year has gone or the kind of year that other people have had, people that are close to you. Um, here's a poster that describes kind of how this works. Perspective. Less is more, unless you're standing next to the one with more, then less just looks pathetic. Which, <laughs> this is actually a pretty unhelpful way about <laughs> looking at life. Um, but this is kind of, this is like how it, um, comparison starts coming. You kind of start noticing what other people have or what they've done. Um, this comes from a website. It's uh, despair.com, which is an actual real website that, you know, this came up on a search. But there's a lot of cynical quotes, and I don't know who put this together or what their motive really was for <laughs> bringing this to the world. But um, this is, e- even though this isn't a good way to approach life, this you know, it does happen to us, and, and discontentment and comparison is kind of a force that can pull us in the wrong direction. And when you're in, in this pull of just noticing what other people have or where they've been, um, 
it kind of becomes all you see and feel sometimes. Where, um, kind of like the, the way the uh, flu distorts all your senses. If you get the flu, um, you know you, you may have trouble breathing, or your your auditory abilities are impaired, or your vision gets hazy, things like that. Kind of the flu kind of affects all of your senses, and comparison and discontentment does that too. It kind of affects the way you see all the areas of your life. And so this morning we're going to look at the way. God wants us to deal with comparison, and um, especially as it leads to discontent. But before we jump into what the Bible has to say, I want to uh, provide some warning signs that discontentment may be lurking near or may already be within us. Um, so hopefully this helps you evaluate where you are. Uh, one warning sign is comp- um, if you notice yourself constantly comparing yourself with others nonstop. So... Uh, you know, this happens pretty normally. Driving around the freeway, you see other brand new cars. Um, it's, it's hard not to notice that, especially if your bumper is falling off, kind of like mine. Um, uh, but, you know, nonstop comparing. You know, it also happens responding to the success of friends or family or people that you know. If people have really good things happen to them, like a big check or um, some sort of promotion or whatever, it's hard not to notice where you are in light of that. Um, or comparing your relational status in a group of people and just kind of evaluating where you fit in and what's the quality of your relationship compared to the way these people relate together um, or just comparing when, when difficult things attack, you know, when you're experiencing big problems in life. Um, it's easy to think that, you know, nobody else has to deal with this right now. Um, so all this, this nonstop comparison can really pull you into a pit of discouragement and despair. And so that's this is kind of one, comparison is a, is a warning sign of, of discontentment. One, uh, another warning sign is a desire to control people and circumstances. Um, if you want to control things, then that means that you're not really all that happy with the way things are right now, which is pretty natural. Um, but it's really easy to think, you know, you know, I'm just tired of depending on people to get things done. And... Um, it's obvious that if I want to make this you know, thing happen, then I've got to do it. Because no one else is going to do it, so I've got to make sure it works. And um, you know, we may want things to change or things to happen in our lives. But if it doesn't happen fast enough, we, you know, we're tempted to rearrange people and circumstances like chess pieces to just make things work out the way we want them to. Um, so that's the warning. The desire to control is another warning sign. Um, third is fear. Uh, fear is a, is a warning sign of discontentment because when your mind is racing to all the unknowns, uh, unknowns of how everything's going to turn out, then even dealing with the normal routine of life can be pretty overwhelming uh, because there's so many what-ifs. Uh, you know, what if I don't get that job that I interviewed for? What if um, I end up with a terrible sickness? Or if you're a parent, I think, you know, what if some, like, awful injury happens to my kids? Like, for some reason, that has been on my mind a lot more than I have kids. You know, you, your mom always says, you know, your eye will get poked out thought that was dumb. Now I always think of my kids' eyes getting poked out with different things. I, I don't know. So yeah, fear, what if that happens? Or what if, um, what if I lose all my savings? Or if I can't pay you know, the bills or whatever it is? There's a lot of fear that can, can lead to discontentment there. So you know, these ways and, and other ways um, lead to discontentment. And that robs us from the joy that God wants us to experience. So if you can find contentment, and moving forward in 2015, you can have a great year. Um, and God shows us the path to contentment, fortunately, is a really good thing. And we'd never know it unless he, he showed us in the Bible. So let's dig in, and we'll find out um, how God wants us to uh, think about our lives 
in a way that allows us to look back over the past year in the right way and then also begin preparing for the new year um, and just anticipate the new opportunities ahead. So the first thing we want to look at is that God gives us everything we need to face the challenges of the new year. There will be challenges next year, but God will give us everything we need to face them. And so the passage for this two-week series is we're going to be looking in the final chapter of the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews concluded his letter by uh, just explaining where to put your focus. And so it's a lot of help for us. You know, he wrapped up his letter with some specific things. And now we're wrapping up our year, trying to figure out where to put our focus. And so this is helpful for us. We're going to look at Hebrews 13, 5 and, five and 6. Um, so let's read it together. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is God saying this. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so this passage really helps us develop a strategy for getting content when we struggle with that. Uh, the, when the writer of Hebrews wrote this, it wasn't a new idea. Actually, he was pointing back to, he's quoting something here, and he's pointing back to um, the history of his audience um, during the time when the nation of Israel was just getting established. And so the, the book of Hebrews is, acts kind of like a connecting book. It draws connections back and forth from the Old Testament. And um, so the writer was connecting current challenges faced by the early Christians to the way things played out in the history of God's people. And so the statement in, in this passage here in 13.5 is coming directly from something that Moses said when he came to the close of his life. So uh, Moses, as you, you, know, you probably know, was a tremendous leader who was used very mightily by God. Um, by God's power, he led the nation of Israel through the deliverance from Egypt, which actually just a couple weeks ago, a movie came out about this um, called Exodus, which I don't think it got very good re reviews. I'm not sure why, but I didn't see it. But I know the story itself is a really good one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was Moses, and um, he led the Israelites a great distance beyond that and through so many challenges along the way. And so he led the nation as far as God permitted him to, and it was at a certain point it was time for him to hand off his leadership to his successor, who was Joshua. And so um, this is part of what he said. As he's handing things off, he's kind of um, you know, giving a charge to his successor and to the Israelites before they start a new chapter. And so um, Moses was speaking from a wealth of leadership experience and also just personal walking with God. He really walked and had a, a close relationship with God. And so um, in the midst of that, he, Moses highlights how trusting God brings confidence and contentment in the midst of challenges. So um, we're going to go to where this uh, first statement took place in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verses 1 through 6. So here's, here's what it says. Moses went out and spoke the words to Israel. I'm now 120 years old. He's a pretty old guy now. And uh, I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. And Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord had said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites. He's referring to um, some uh, important victories that they had along the way, um, and who the Israelites defeated, um, whom he destroyed, who God destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, 
and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So the entire nation of Israel was going to be starting a brand new chapter in their history by entering the promised land. But they were going to have to fight for it. It wasn't going to be just a walk in and just kind of set up their tents and you know make it home. There was actually going to have to be a lot of um, hard work that went into it. And so um, as they're like thinking about starting this new thing, Joshua and, and all the other Israelites probably had a fair number of concerns on their mind, or they may have been thinking, you know, um, we don't, you know, we don't have what we need. We don't have the the manpower, or just you know, the fighting experience, or the weapons that we need, or or even, you know, we're not going to have Moses. Like he's not even going with us. You know, who is this Joshua guy? I mean, I don't even know what they were thinking about this whole thing, but they probably had some concerns <laughs> going into it. Um, and in, in comparison, they actually didn't have what they needed. If you looked at it from um, just like a physical standpoint. The people that they were going to be facing um, and going up against seemed to have the advantage, just established cities and, and a lot of experience in, in defense. And so, as Moses said this, you know, he wasn't just like trying to like wish him well on, on some adventure. He was actually speaking from experience, um, from you know, during the time of Moses' leadership, over and over again, you know, those circumstances that they were facing just didn't look good or promising at all. But God came through and provided. And he knew that, and he experienced that. So he knew that, you know, it would be easy for fear um, or comparison or, you know, desire to control to creep in. And Moses knew that a strong focus to trust and obey God would be critical for their success. So in this statement that he makes, Moses gives the key to their victory. And, and what it's really um, a victory over comparison and fear means shifting. It's a really important shift from what I, what I don't have, shifting away from what I don't have, and then shifting to just doing God's will and uh, trusting him to give what I need to get it done. Because God promises to give what we need to do what he wants us to do. So if um, you know it's clear that we need to move in a certain direction or even just to obey his word in a certain way, God's going to give us whatever we need to accomplish his will. And so you know, the opposite of that is just you know, whenever I'm wrapped up in my own goals, and um, I'm just focused on accomplishing my desires, then I'm going to be on my own. Um, if I try to do what I want in my own strength and just uh, make a plan for myself without really including him in the process, then you know, God's not going to honor that decision. So at the end of the year, you know, as we, you know, again, as we're looking back over how things have gone in 2014, you can get depressed by what you thought you may have had by now, possibly. Or there may be some outstanding bills that you thought would be paid by now. Or maybe some big bills just came up all of a sudden that you weren't expecting. Um, you know, maybe your car is just sputtering along or falling apart in different places. <laughs> um, there may be some people um, or friendships that you are really hoping that you'd have by now. Or the quality of your friendships maybe that you would hope and it'd be in a different place. Um, or maybe the place that you want to be in life is not, you know, what you were hoping or the experiences that you're hoping to have or vacations you wanted to go on. Um, you may feel like you're missing out on those things. All of, all of those things can cause us to, can, it can just capture our focus and get us um, derailed. And, um, but let's, you know, in this passage, we just notice how Moses and Joshua, they shifted the focus away from the problems and the things that they didn't have or that they, they were nervous about, really just to doing God's will and to trusting him. And we have the ability 
to see, to, to fast forward and see how that worked out. Um, we can fast forward and see how, you know, when they trusted and obeyed, how that really provided blessing, and they lost out when they didn't. So there was a strong, uh, there was a string of wins and losses in the history. You know, every time they trusted God, it meant, you know, winning and having victory. Every time they trusted in themselves, it meant losing out big time. And so show um, a map of um, ancient Near East. This is a map of some area. The, the pink area in the middle is um, the land that Joshua conquered after he took his position of leadership and they moved in. Um, he conquered all that land and he led the Israelites to a lot of victory as they trusted God. And then the green is the area that they had yet to a conquer as a nation and expand and, and divide into two territories. So, you know, there's a lot of land left to cover, but you can see how what Joshua was able to do is just establish a, a wide area that was a central location for um, just expanding their base of operations and being able to, um, you know, begin moving out further. So it was really important to see how Joshua really had God's help as, he, as they trusted him. Um, they paid a huge price when... Um, the Israelites trusted in their own understanding. And actually, a little bit further back in their history, when Joshua was just um, sent out to spy out this land ahead of time, he went with a, with a, in a group of 12. And um, you may know the story. Ten of those 12 spies came back after checking this out. And they had a really negative faith report and um, caused the nation to be discouraged and really despair about moving in. And Israelites began to grumble against Moses and his leadership. And there was a huge consequence. I mean, as I guess as bad as it could be, the, the whole generation of Israelites was um, had, were, were forced to wander in the desert for 40 years and, until they all died. And only Joshua and his companion Caleb were able to go into the land. And so um, you can see a pretty stark contrast between uh, what it is to trust in God or to trust in oneself. So essentially what Moses was doing, you know, at the close of his life, he's passing off this baton of leadership to Joshua and really also what the writer of Hebrews was doing at the close of his letter is that they're saying that hope comes as I shift from comparison to God's promised presence and provision. So we can find hope. Um, you know, there are going to be challenges ahead, but we can find hope as we shift, make, you know, shift from comparison and really focus on, on the fact that God has promised to be with us and to, bro- to provide. So we deal with discontentment when we're afraid we're not going to get what we want or what we need. Um, at one point recently, I got an alert on my phone. It was in the morning. I was trying to do my fight time, and I got an alert on my phone from my bank account um, saying that my balance was low. I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll check that out. <laughs> and so I checked it, and um, my account was lower, I think, than any time that it's, it's lower than anything else I've ever had since I've been, like, an adult married. And so um, I freaked out for sure, and I was trying to think through, you know, some stuff I just got processed, and I was trying to think through how many days until I got paid next, and, um, you know, what other bills were going to be coming up just to make sure I didn't really go in the hole. And uh, so I was trying to, I just spent some time trying to figure that out. And then, so I took some time later to reflect on, on that whole, you know, emotional roller coaster. And I realized, as I thought about it, I think God was probably telling me that um, just my panic about my money kind of revealed how much I trusted in my money. And... Um, that I wasn't really trusting him. If I if my trust was purely in God, then it wouldn't really matter what the numbers were reflecting in my bank account because I'd rely on him to provide. But I still have that strong desire to trust in myself or what I can provide for myself. 
And so, you know, I repented of my lack of faith, and, and I've, I'm going to know I'm going to keep having to work <laughs> in that area of trusting God, especially when it comes to money. But that's probably partly why in Hebrews is where it talks about, bring that verse up again. Um, the writer says, keep your life free from the love of money um, and be content with what you have. Not just for contentment's sake, but the reason is because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Um, this truth can really settle our hearts, um, especially when you're looking ahead to some of the challenges coming up. You maybe even be feeling like there's some some rough stuff ahead. I, <laughs> I was, last night I was putting my two-year-old daughter to bed, and um, she was not having a hard time going to bed. But she said, "Dad, when I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be a hard morning." <laughs> and I, I don't know why she said that honestly. I'd, and this morning, actually, it wasn't that hard. But for whatever reason, she was feeling, you know, that it was going to be a challenge. And sometimes you feel that way. You know, you're looking at what's coming up, and um, you get discouraged. And you don't – right at the moment, what she needed to do was to go choose to go to sleep. And that was, like – that was distracting her from obeying. And that's kind of what happens to us. But, but this truth, just knowing that God is going to be with us and that he provides for us, is really can settle our hearts if we choose to hang on to this. Because um, the battle is, is in our hearts and our minds, you know, we, and we're just looking at what, what he's given us right now. Um, contentment is such an internal thing. You can't just, like, you know, look out and I can pick out how many of you are discontent or content. It's, it's really um, a battle for our focus and our satisfaction because we get so easily anxious about where we're at or what we have. Um, but if I'll, if I'll just trust him and obey what he said and what he wants me to do, then that can give me a level of confidence right now to just move forward. I can be okay with where I'm at and rest in that. Um, we don't need to ride just the roller coaster of, of outward circumstances and um, allowing, all, you know, again, our bank accounts or our relationships or what we have to really affect our emotions so much. We can just um, co- move forward confidently. Trusting in God really brings a lot to us. Um, one thing it brings is courage um, just to face the challenges ahead. It brings confidence just to do that boldly. Uh, trusting in God brings, again, contentment and just a peace about where we're at. Trusting in God brings a, a lot of blessing. This is something that God wants us to do, and so he rewards those who really try to trust him. And then it also brings advance. We, we can actually make progress and move forward in life as we trust him. Um, there's a popular verse that many athletes hold on to as they compete. Uh, Philippians 4.13, you, you may know this one. Um, there's a picture of um, Tim Tebow's eye black. He's got it painted on there, Philippians 4.13. It's kind of, you know, been popularized a little bit. And this is, you know, um, a really helpful verse. It says, I can do all things in, through Christ who strengthens me, um, which is an encouraging thing. And uh, the, the setting and the context for this verse is crucial for interpreting, though. It's not, um, shouldn't be taken just uh, by itself. Um, the verse... Uh, Philippians 4.13 was written from the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. And he viewed his imprisonment as an opportunity to fulfill God's purpose for his life. Basically, his imprisonment gave him a chance to share the gospel with elite Roman soldiers that he would never have met any other way. And so, um, basically, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it was in the context, an attitude of contentment, of just being, just accepting what situation he was in 
trusting God and obeying in the midst of that. And so there really is a, is a core lesson for us in gaining contentment. Um, he wasn't focused on, on himself or even his family or friends. Um, he was focused on doing God's will and accomplishing God's purpose um, and really relying on God's strength to get through it. So we really can find contentment by shifting our focus from our circumstances, just the tumultuous stuff going on in our lives, um, and really shifting our focus to God's will. And you can know that God is going to give you everything you need to do that. So as we head into the next year, um, I want to encourage you to do two things that will set the tone for it. And I want to ask the band to come up and help me with this. Um, The first thing is I want to take some time to think through this past year and all the ways that God has provided and um, the ways that he's helped you to just give you what you need to live and to do as well. And so the band is going to play a song. Um, and while they play, I want you to start making a list. Even on your, There's some space on your handout, too, of, of all the ways that God has provided in 2014. You can even list maybe three or four people or things that you're really grateful for. And then the second thing, again, while, while they're playing this song, you can think um, ahead now to 2015 and kind of anticipate, you know, how do you think you're going to need God's strength in the year ahead? Um, is there, you know, a challenge that you're facing that you're going to need to ask for his strength to accomplish? Is there a relationship that's floundering that you need to take initiative to repair? Um, Or is there maybe a major project that you're not sure you have what it takes to do? Um, Whatever it is, take a few minutes to pray about those things. And while they pray, maybe jot down some ideas and, and ask God for the strength that you need to do those things. So we'll do that. I'm going to come back up in a minute and close our service. So, uh, just take some time to reflect.